Welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are here to discuss Charmed Season 2, Episode 11, Reckless Abandon. Ugh. Yeah, because I mean, the baby was abandoned. It's not the worst title Charmed's ever come up <laughs> Honestly, this is like gold by Charmed title standards. It's not even in the bottom hundred of titles for Charmed, but you know. Secrets and guys, because cause it's about guys and the secrets they have to tell to those guys in order to keep dating them. We have one coming up called How to Make a Quilt Out of Americans. Ugh. Ugh. I think that's the one with the where the Charmed Ones have an aunt we've never heard of before who knows that they're witches and yet has not come up at any point previously, you know in the series also just so you know the finale for this season is called be careful what you witch for Oof. <laughs> yeah titles were not their forte god who is even the big bad in season two is there one yeah we're pretty far in and there hasn't really been a running plot at all yeah we're on episode 11 i don't know that there is a big bad in this season gosh it's kind of weird to think about i mean we were still more in the era of you could just have monster of the week style shows but the first season had its uh i mean it it, it had rex and hannah they were at least kind of for the running. first half of the season for the first half of the season and then they sort of had that detective guy for like three episodes oh yeah that guy you know i i feel like charmed at this time it didn't really have running villains mm. so is Huh. Is Cole going to be the first, like... Big bad? Yeah. Yeah, I think he is. I mean, if you don't count... Rex and Hannah. And Tempest. Well, because Tempest was behind that demon guy? Yeah, and he's recurring. He's not continuing, but he's recurring. Like, you mean Barbus? I meant Barbus. Yeah. 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 I mean, do you count Barbus? Barbus is like the Team Rocket of charmed (laughs) like i mean i guess he's i don't want to call him the main antagonist but he is sort of the he's definitely the longest running antagonist even though he shows up like three times no he it's like once a season so what like eight times yeah okay okay that's all right that's solid yeah like there are probably big bads that have had more episodes than him i mean definitely cole maybe the seer okay but with cole you can only count episodes where he's bad as episodes where he is the big bad you can't count episodes where cole is good as episodes where cole is the big bad well then it's ambiguous because cole is flipping and flopping how are we talking this much about cole and he's cole not is even so in the great show that's why yeah he is the highlight of charmed cole is the best part okay well, we're not up to that yet though we're still on reckless abandon which was directed by craig zisk mm-hmm. who directed ms hellfire and Witch Trial. Oh, those are both... Well, I mean, not Witch Trial. Witch Trial sucked, but Ms. Hellfire was good enough. Witch, Witch Trial was the season opener, right? The That's one, right. Yeah, that was not a good episode, okay. but... And this episode was written by Standby Javier Grillo Marcoche, and I'm really glad we liked this episode because he's following us on Twitter now. I know, it's pretty exciting. I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but it's neat that he's following us on Twitter. Yes. And and as I said, 
Good thing we liked this episode. I was I was nervous when I saw this was his. This is the first one of his we've done since he started following us. Mm. So this is a weirdly good episode because I kind of I had some vague memories of it before we you know rewatched it, but uh-huh. but like. I didn't remember it being as good as it is. Okay, so I have zero recollection of this episode before we watched it for this podcast. I didn't remember it at all. And it, and when I was watching it, it's not like it came back to me. I, no memory. No memory at all of this episode. And yeah, it was good. So it's weird that I didn't remember it. Well, that's the thing. It's a really good episode, but it's not really anything new for Charmed. Like, well, it's not setting anything up. It's not following anything through. It's just a good episode. Yeah, it's a good standalone. But the thing is, like, we've we've had ghost episodes before. We did. Like, this this isn't anything new for Charmed, but it's just really feeling like uh, Charmed's hit its stride, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, this is an episode where... It's just a team working together. Everyone knew what they were doing. Everyone was just on their game that day that they made this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So should we get into it? Yes. Uh, let's let's stop talking about how good it is and start talking about the episode itself. So we open at the manor. Piper's getting ready a gift basket for a friend's baby shower. Yes. Yes. A friend of theirs has had a baby and so she has made a blanket and a teddy bear for the baby. I want to just say, by virtue of being the least fashionable sister, I know I mentioned this, I think, last episode, but Hollyer Marie Combs comes out looking the least ridiculous of the three sisters a lot. Okay. Prue is wearing a period appropriate, by which I mean late 90s, early 2000s, poofy sleeved peasant blouse thing that is also midriff bearing and i love it i think it looks so cute it is very much of its time but i i like it it's sort of like the top part of a sexy bar wench costume that is exactly what it is also i used to have this top in green she, hers is white. I used to have this in green, but I did not wear it midriff bearing as she is. I wore it underneath corsets. Mm. Which I think is... Probably how it's intended to be worn. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look bad. It's just... It's a really wide swing. I I think it connects. I, I mean, we've seen a lot of really, really disastrous fashion on this show. I... I think Prue looks downright cute. The thing is, it's a really wild outfit, but I do actually like the top. It's just one of, it's something that I would look at twice on the street. It's something I'd be like, whoa, that is a look. That person took a risk. They, yeah. they went out there. Whereas, as you mentioned, Holly Marie Combe, Piper, is wearing, you know, a cardigan. She's, she's wearing a sweater set. She looks fine. Yes. Prue is running around looking for her slides for a presentation because she has a big work meeting. Oh, so not to go back to one of our standbys, but this is a work outfit then. You know, I, yeah. 
It's 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 a good look, but I just I don't think it's a work look. I mean, no, it's it's not. But it it's not as inappropriate as other things she's worn to work. That's true. So Piper reminds her that they've got the whole baby shower thing that she's made a baby blanket and she's also knit a little bear for the baby and Piper's like, "I didn't know you could knit." And Piper's like, "Yeah." I don't think that ever comes up again. Piper I, being able to knit. Yeah. I think it's a thing that was thrown in here to make her seem more motherly. Mm. But I really don't think she ever knits again. <laughs> That's okay. Prue mentions what good practice this is for Piper since she's uh, getting all hot and heavy with Dan. And now she and Dan are going to get married and have little neighbor babies. I do like that Piper points out that Dan is the one who's been accelerating the relationship, not her. Because that's been a lot of a subtext with dan throughout this season and i'm glad that they're sort of acknowledging it within the show itself yeah it's weird that piper is the one with a secret because dan is the one who's acting odd being like hi i know i've known you for two months but move into my house marry me bear my children right now it's like what is up with you dan yeah it really seems like neighbor dan is I don't know. I feel like it might be part of Charmed kind trying to, like, come up with a perfect man. And, like, obviously, since imperfect men have fear of commitments, he would be super into commitments. Maybe. Yes. Do you think that they were keeping their options open for him to turn out to be a warlock later? So they wanted him to be really pushing for commitment so that that could be something sinister later if they decided to go that route? No, because they did the warlock test where they pricked his finger and he didn't bleed. You mean he did bleed? Yes. Yeah, he did bleed. I yeah. for- you're right. I forgot about that. They are not keeping their options open. All right. All right. Although Neighbor Dan is such an obvious um, Apollo. Yes. The, the romantic entanglement that keeps you from getting with the person who's obvious endgame. In this case, Leo. Yeah. It comes from the tv show friends where there's a character named paulo who is basically just there so that ross and rachel don't hook up in the first season and chandler's mother who writes romance novels points out that the paulo is a running character in her series that you know all of all of her books feature a romantic false lead to ross not to be confused with the baxter who is the wrong guy that the female romantic lead is engaged to at the beginning of the movie who she will leave for the actual right guy yeah he's the guy who gets left at the altar when the right guy is banging on the glass exactly it's it's weird because they're two really similar tropes but they're two very different guys yes that is accurate speaking of work appropriate outfits Phoebe has put on her best circlet to go down to the police station and try to get Daryl to give her a job. This was the style at the time, right? Like, I don't remember anyone wearing a circlet. I feel like those are, I feel like circlets are those kind of things that sort of try to come into fashion every 10 years or so. Like, I remember the Olsen twins pushing for them in the, like, mid-2000s-ish as, like, the new thing. But it, it wasn't like circlets. It was very thin headbands for them. Okay, I, I just, I really don't feel like I saw people wearing circlets outside of Ren Fairs, which I did frequent quite a bit in this time period. Yeah, both Phoebe and uh, Prue are kind of doing a Ren Fair thing with their outfits. They are, huh? 
So Phoebe is at the police station to pitch sort of a new running concept for the show to Daryl. Yeah, she wants Daryl to take her on as a psychic. She wants she wants it to be a different show than it is. She wants it to be Daryl and the Visions or Daryl and the Policeman and Precog. Oh, there you go. So Or a cop. Daryl tells her this isn't going to fly because he is already on the thinnest of thin ice with the station. They're definitely not going to go for him bringing a psychic on as a consultant. Okay, so I know he ends up getting promoted later because whatever, the show doesn't care about Daryl, so he can just do whatever off screen. But him working with the sisters has to be so bad for his career. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, I... Honestly, the poor guy... Like, I mean, the crimes stop, but he never gets to arrest anyone because the sisters just kill whoever's doing whatever. I mean, his clearance rate must be abysmal because the sisters just banish whoever it is that he's trying to arrest. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. There's a baby in the police station and the policemen can't take care of the baby because they're men and men are incapable of taking care of babies. This episode is good, but there's some bad things in it, too. Well, because she has a uterus, Phoebe instinctively knows what to do. So she runs over to the baby to soothe it. And she sees from the baby's blanket, flashbacks to Once Upon a Time, Mm. that his name is stitched into the corner of the blanket and his name is Matthew. Mm. So, Daryl, just not going to help out here because you do have kids and probably know what to do with a crying baby. Yeah, it's not his job. He's at work. He's got stuff to do. That's true. So Phoebe just picks up the baby because she's a woman and none of the cops are going to stop her, I guess. I mean, I understand the instinct to want to pick up and sue the crying baby. I'm not I'm not blaming anyone there. Yeah. So she gets a vision off the baby. And is there a way to talk about this without being really, really cruel to child actors? Sometimes babies on television shows are not cute because they are cast based on the babies who are not going to cry not necessarily on the cutest baby Mm. but this baby is super cute yes this baby is wicked adorable this is a really adorable baby and he's he seems really happy they get a lot of good happy acting out of him yeah we don't have to name names for the ugly babies you You know who you are (laughs) you know who you are you know what an ugly baby is but uh, this this show this show has kind of an ugly baby problem later. So Phoebe gets a vision of a man running the baby out of a house while a uh, does she know it's a ghost? Yes. Well, a ghost shoots lightning at the man. Yep. Yep. We've got a we've got a vengeful ghost situation on our hands. We have uh, the sisters have multiple ways to take care of a ghost, none of which actually show up in this episode. Yeah, which is weird because they claim that there are only two ways to vanquish a ghost. And neither of them are the ways we saw them take care of ghosts in the previous two ghost episodes. Huh. Would it be that hard to give Yama a call? What's Yama doing? (laughs) I I think that the person who is dead has to have worshipped Yama for that to work. Okay, well, that still gives them the uh, the other option, although I guess one of them has to die temporarily to cast that spell, and that seems like it would be an inconvenience, so... 
I feel like Prue should be able to astral project and that should be close enough to do it mm. to vanquish the ghost. Because the Alcatraz ghost got taken out by a spell that you had to be dead to cast. Although, okay, I know, I know we can't get into the weeds on this, but like, what's Grams doing? I know this is before Grams' ghost is in like every other episode, but what? They can't summon up Grams' ghost to take care of this dude? she too busy in white lighter land is that where regular dead people go i, I guess no I, I, I think they just go to heaven i don't i mean we talk about white lighters as though they're angels but they're actually just very similar to angels i think that there's a separate heaven that's not white lighter land that's good because white lighter land is just on top of the golden cape bridge by the end of the show yes and the brief glimpses we get of it before that don't seem all that pleasant and cloudy so back at the manor, Piper can't calm the baby. Only Phoebe can calm the baby. Phoebe is the one who knows how to mother, apparently. She's got damn baby skills, somehow. Yeah, and Piper's all like, oh, I guess I have no maternal instinct. Maybe Dan should be trying to woo you instead of me, since he obviously wants a baby so bad. She tries waving the bear that she knit in the baby's face, and Phoebe's like, yeah, he doesn't like that. And then he just... Projectile spits up on the bear. Yeah. I do like, Prue comes into the room, and she sees the baby, and she's like, Phoebe! (laughs) She's like, you went to the police station to get a job, and you came back with a baby? What what is this, a fairy tale? I was going to say, what is this, Mad Men? I never watched Mad Men. I assumed bad stuff like that happened. I don't think anything like that happened. Prue notices that the carrier the baby is in is super expensive and that his blanket is super nice. So whoever abandoned him was someone with means. Hmm. So, yeah. Way to use those appraisal skills, Prue. Right? That is such a D&D thing to have that, like skill that you just put on for color way down at the bottom of your skill sheet and be like wait wait this is relevant oh i thought you were going the other way with that like uh when i abused magic hand for everything when i was being a bard that one time because there are a lot of things that weigh less than five pounds I like, like when, fire i like when people are creative with spells it, it I, I like to reward that as a dm it seems sort of like uh you know i have a knowledge architecture so i should be able to do this that and the other to determine where the cave lets out where it's like caves aren't really architecture yeah that one that one's not that one not so much but i mean that seems like what prue's doing here like she's got a uh appraisal specialty antiques but she's appraising this eddie bauer car seat yeah yeah so we find out that Daryl has told Phoebe that she can have the baby for 24 hours. She has 24 hours! And then social services is going to start asking where the baby is. Mm. And then we see Prue at a children's store buying stuff for the baby. and Unnecessarily her- buying a lot of stuff for the baby. Okay, when we watched this, I was like, that cart is so full of stuff she does not need what is even happening here but then i remembered when i was pregnant and i had the breakdown in the baby store because i was like i don't know what we need i don't know what's going on so i actually when i thought about it for a minute i have some sympathy for prue Hmm. 
But speaking of sympathy for Prue, here's Jack. Jack is racing a small child around this baby slash toy store. Okay, so this is really weird. Yes, baby slash toy store. I feel like it's probably like similar to the way that you used to have the Toys R Us's with the Babies R Us's connected. Mm. I think it's like that kind of store. Yeah, when Jack shows up, he's racing a little kid on a Razor scooter. And I thought it was going to be like, this is my nephew and I just happened to be here. But no, he tells Prue that he tracked her down because her assistant said that she would be here. And then he just randomly challenged this five-year-old boy to a race when he got there. Honestly, I feel like you're getting more and more frustrated with Jack while I'm enjoying him more and more as a character. No, no, I was actually going to say about Jack that he annoyed me so much because of the way he just came in and undermined Prue and didn't really seem to have earned his position. But now I'm like, this poor guy, he's partnered with this woman who just bails out of work all the time and i mean that has sort of been their running thing for the past few episodes oh jack and prue need to work on a project together jack is doing all of the work because prue's dealing with the demon of the week but jack built off the work that prue apparently did off screen so they both get credit for it I do like how Jack's kind of cottoning on to this, where he's like, okay, I thought I was getting away with something by, like, tricking my way into getting a job here, but it really seems like all I'm doing is all of your work all of the time. And Prue's like, if we get on this trip, we can have sex together in Paris? Yeah, they're trying to get a client, so they're pitching this presentation, and they'll get to go to New York if they get the client, I guess. So, have you seen the Bob's Burgers boy band episode? I think it's the season nine opener. Yes, it's uh, it's Tina's song with um, what's his face? David Diggs with David Diggs. Yeah, Tina's song with David Diggs is basically this situation right here. Yes, yes, they're co workers, they don't like each other, but they do like each other, and on a trip, they can discover romantic feelings. Blah blah. I mean, they're, except they're already kind of dating, but mm. I mean, they are dating, they're they're flat out dating. So, he tells Prue, basically, get your shit together before the presentation, which is tomorrow. And she's like, okay, I will. Also, he's like, do I need to know anything about why you're buying so much baby stuff? And she's like, our cousin is in town. He's like, okay, then. Uh, like, Like last episode when he was having the conversation with neighbor Dan, and neighbor Dan's like, are you suspicious about why they're always doing weird stuff and leaving randomly and... Jack's like, that really doesn't seem like any of my business. Yeah. Jack takes off and Prue looks longingly across the store at a mother holding her baby. Prue's like, oh, wait, do I have baby fever now? I think maybe I do want a baby. Maybe I want a little tiny Jack. Oh, God, you think that would turn you off the idea altogether? I mean, yes, you're right. He's growing on me. Whatever. Lachlan Monroe is an easy-to-like person when he's not being a murderer, which is not in a lot of things he's in. Yeah. Uh, He does kind of have a murderer vibe. He does. Yeah. Yeah. I find it difficult to trust him, even if I hadn't seen him playing a murderer in other things. Yeah, but not like a regular murderer. Like a rich guy who murdered someone once and just got away with it and then just never talked about it again. Yes. Like, like how Laura Bush killed that guy. 
oh, that's different. That was an accident. She did kill a guy, but it was an accident. No, he's like the way Ted Kennedy killed that girl. Mm. What is up with politics? I was going to say like the way George H.W. Bush killed that guy. I mean, he killed a lot of people because a magazine called him a wuss. And he's like, well, I guess I better call some airstrikes to show how tough I am. Which is a really, really bad reason to kill a bunch of people, but... Mm. Yeah, a lot of politicians kill people. It's just a thing. Yeah. Back at the manor, Dan is playing with the baby, and he's like, Aw, babies! Yeah, he has... As, as, as we know from earlier this season, he's like, Oh yeah, I've had tons of experience with my, you know, nieces and nephews. Remember? Remember neighbor Jenny? She still exists, probably, and was maybe a baby at one point. Prue shows up with all the stuff she bought, and she's like, oh my gosh, you guys, babies are so expensive. And it's like, on the one hand, yes, babies are expensive. On the other hand, Prue, you've got this baby for 24 hours. You didn't need to maybe buy every stuffed animal in the store. Yeah. You know he can't sleep with those in the crib, right? He's a baby. It's not how babies work. You don't put stuffed animals in the crib because they could suffocate. Yes. Although safe sleep procedures were a little different 20 years ago, I have to assume, since the bed we see him in is not baby safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got a it's got a runner, which you don't do now. So. I mean, maybe he's old enough to, you think he's old enough to flip himself around? Or... Oh, definitely. He's at least a year old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so you could put stuffed animals in with him. He's over a year old. I mean, we're not putting stuffed animals in with the baby yet, but... Yeah, but... That's different. So, now we have to have the scene where Piper and Prue change the diaper. And you know what? I appreciate this. I appreciate that this is the stereotypical non-baby people being flustered at the simple task of changing a diaper. And that they're women. Hmm. And that the person who steps in and is like, okay, I will take care of it, is a man. Yeah, but they're like, no, no, we can do it. It kind of frustrated me at first because one of my least favorite tropes is, oh, no, it's really hard to change a diaper. I know, on TV they act like it's this totally impossible thing to do. It's relatively easy. It's... It's Velcro tabs. Like, it's not hard. But they managed to uh, do it, except, uh-oh, Prue got the wrong size. Yeah, yeah. And Prue's like, I didn't know they came in sizes. So if you didn't look or, at the boxes? She says, how was I supposed to know what size to get? Maybe you should have got a bunch of different sizes of diapers instead of every stuffed animal in the store. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Dan jumps in and diapers the baby with a dish towel. Because he thinks Piper needs new dish towels. I guess so. Well, she does now. (laughs) (laughs) So Dan offers to stay and keep looking after the baby, but they're like, no, we can handle it. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll just leave. I mean, I guess we had nothing else planned for the day. So bye. Well, I mean, I guess they didn't. Oh, uh, also, before the scene moves on, Piper freezes. And uh, Prue telekinesis is the baby's pee at one point because the baby's peeing at them. Well, you can't have a scene in TV where people are flusteredly... Flusteredly? Hmm. 
changing a diaper without the, oh no, the diaper's off and the baby is just peeing wildly into the air. It's like a requirement. Mm. So, back at the police station, Phoebe is giving the sketch artist details about the ghost. The guy's like, so what do you want me to do with this, like, call the Ghostbusters? And Daryl's like, very funny. We all know the Ghostbusters only work on the East Coast. I mean, honestly, if, you, if, if you're outside of the New York general area, you're kind of SOL when it comes to ghosts. That's true. Although the plot of the Ghostbusters show slash ride at Universal Studios used to be the Ghostbusters opening up franchises. So, hmm. I mean, it's the smart thing. I don't know if that's canon or not. Well, the new Ghostbusters movie, which I don't know if it's still happening, but that's supposed to take place in some small town. The one that's supposed to be for real Ghostbusters fans, because what's this bucket was trying to honk off everyone who liked the 2016 Ghostbusters, which was... That makes me really upset, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you would shoot yourself in the foot like that. I mean, I guess he's assuming that the toxic dude bros on the internet were enough of an audience for that to be a selling point, you know? Yeah. Oh, I do have to say that the, the sketch isn't of the ghost. Oh, right. It's of the dad. Right. And for some reason, Phoebe faxes it over to Prue. I mean, it turns out to be a good thing she does because Prue looks at it and immediately is like, oh, yeah, Gilbert Van Leeuwen. I know who he is because he's rich and people in this family keep dying. So it's my job to know who he is. Dark. That, that's that's really dark, Prue. Oh, it's true, right? Yeah. His family has lots of artifacts, art collections and they keep dying mysteriously so yeah his his father died over the summer and his brother died a couple of days ago and phoebe's like ah yeah so ghost is kind of doing one of those wiping out all the male whatevers yep that is exactly what's happening so prue's having this conversation in her office and jack comes in with dinner for them because they have to work all night to get this presentation done and she's like gotta go Uh oh (laughs) yeah you know i i'm starting to have sympathy for jack i really am meanwhile in a little castle i mean it's a fancy house but it looks like a little castle it's it's a nice house it's a it's a it's comfortable the people who live there would describe themselves as comfortable they'd be like we're not wealthy we're just comfortable which is how super rich people describe themselves yes a blonde woman is arguing with the guy from the the dad, the baby dad. Blonde woman in sweater and pearls, which is again how you know that it's old money. Mm. Although she, I'm not gonna say makes it unscarred through the episode, but I feel like she's not really in particular personal danger herself at any point. Well, she's not because she married into this family that the ghost has a vengeance against. Yeah, and. The ghost seems to have basically no interest in her. So she's arguing with her husband about... The fact that he took their baby? Yeah, she's like, what the hell? What did you do with our baby? And he's like, I needed to put him someplace safe. And she's like, look, just because your dad died and your uncle died and your brother died and your other brother died doesn't mean that you're going to die and then our baby's going to die. She's like, Gilbert, come on. There are no ghosts chasing you. I mean, personally, I wouldn't live in this house anymore after all of that. Right? But. Then a ghost appears. Then a ghost appears. And he's like, hey, ghosts are real. Hi, real ghost. 
So uh, tell me where the baby is, or I'll extra murder all of you instead of just the regular murder I was planning. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you where my baby is, douche canoe. And so the ghost kills him. Yeah, the ghost. Oh my god, it is a little ridiculous. The ghost blasts him with the lightning bolts like we saw in Phoebe's premonition. Asmonition. Yes. This ghost is way better at using ghost powers than the Alcatraz ghost. Well, so he blasts him with the lightning and the lightning doesn't kill him, but he stumbles back. And the thing is, he stumbles back so much. Like, he stumbles through the entire room and then out into the hallway and keeps stumbling until he falls over the balcony onto the first floor and that's what kills him. I mean, it's basically like Ted from Buffy. It's ex- Yes, that's how he dies. That's accurate. Where Buffy just kind of kicked him and he's like, whoa. And then he walked down a hallway until he fell down some stairs. <laughs> yes. The ghost tells Martha, who is not the blonde wife, but rather the dead guy's mother. Mm-hmm. The ghost tells... The baby's grandmother. Yes. The ghost tells Martha that... She's trapped in the house. He has somehow made it so that she cannot leave the house. And she's just going to have to watch all of the men in her family die. Save Martha. Oh, yeah. But. There's no one to say that, though. All her sons are dead. Yeah. And her grandson won't be able to speak for a while. Honestly, the ghost feels like he has no leverage at this point, right? Yeah. Like. Like, maybe don't kill her last remaining son if you want any leverage over her. Because, oh, no. If you don't bring me the baby, then I can't kill the baby. Yeah, ghosts aren't known for foresight. Mm. So, Daryl has... So, I guess this is close enough to homicide for Daryl to not be unwelcome here. Well, I got the impression that he showed up at the house because the sisters came to him and were like, Hey, we need to go talk to this guy. Come with us and be a cop. Mm. And... When they got there, he found out that there had been a death. God, poor Daryl. Yeah. So, Daryl goes to talk to the mother, and he's like, Hey, sorry for your loss. A lot of people been, you know, dropping dead around here recently. What, what What's going on with that? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm sorry, I need to go tend to my daughter-in-law. She's in a lot of pain right now. And... Martha also lies and says that the baby is away with his aunt in Sonoma, which is odd that people in your family keep dying and you just so happen to have sent the baby away. I mean, that definitely makes it feel like it is a homicide and not an accidental death, but whatever. It kind of seems like you may have already killed the baby. Yeah, yeah. While they're having this conversation, Prue and Phoebe sneak away and go up to the baby's room. And there they find, you know, lots and lots of photos of the baby and also a pillow in the baby's crib that matches the blanket that has the Matthew stitched in it. So, yep, this is the baby. But they decide not to talk about it because they don't want the ghost to overhear and know where the baby is. Mm-hmm. You know what would come in handy here? ASL. Yes, if they could sign. That would be handy. Although you'd have to assume that the ghost couldn't sign. I mean, I feel like it's a safe enough bet, but I mean, yeah, you're right. It's it's not the perfect way to communicate, you know, without a ghost spying on you. Having 
Divine Sign comes in handy a lot, though. It's definitely, definitely a good skill to pick up. Yeah, we're still aggressively beginners at Sign, but we can hold whole conversations wherever. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because I want everyone to learn ASL so that the world is easier for our daughter. I also think it's a very, very good skill. So, the mother... Sorry, we've been calling Martha the mother, but the... The baby's mother. Baby's mother, yes. Martha is the grandmother, although we actually have Martha's name, so we can just call her Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha! So the baby's mother comes into Matthew's room and is like, um, WTF, who are you? And they're like, we're grief counselors with the police department. And I'm sorry, but Prue is still wearing that outfit. And she's also wearing like a A choker. She's wearing a choker, but she's also wearing a tight suede miniskirt and she like has her hands on her hips and she kind of sways them as she walks towards this woman what i'm saying is she looks less like a grief counselor than any other person i have ever seen in the entire world would you like to try on my sadness thong i'm sorry it would be a uh, emotional i'm sorry it would be a emotion processing thong gross <laughs> Well, they're like, we're grief counselors. Can we help? And the woman's like, I don't know. Can you bring my husband back from the dead? Which she tells them to leave. She's like, no, get get the fuck out. She does ask them, like, you know, in a angry mat manner, matter manner, manner manner, if they can bring her husband back from the dead. And honestly, they could probably do some ghost raising at this point. Yeah, I mean, they could give it a shot. So, back at the Hallowell Manor, the girls are trying to figure out who the ghost is. And they figure, given that he's killing all of this one particular family, it's probably someone with a personal grudge. So, that's how they're going to start their search. I mean, they're rich. They probably have got a lot of enemies. Right? So, Piper is really, really sick of the baby. So, she hurls him at Phoebe and then goes to the laptop to take over because Phoebe's, you know the tech one at this point phoebe is the tech one but for some reason she's also like the baby whisperer she's you know bouncing the baby and she thinks that his cry sounds like a burpy cry so she burps him and he spits up all over prue's slides for her big presentation at work hey hey you know how phoebe knows how to take care of a baby how she lived in new york But, I mean, does it matter? Was Prue getting anything done on the slides anyway? Isn't it all in Jack's court again? I mean, yeah, right? Like, it's not like she's going to be able to help him. What, are they doing two separate halves of the presentation to put together? Is this some sort of fourth grade group project? I don't even understand what the presentation is. But... I do like what happens next, which is to calm the baby, because remember, he doesn't like things shaking in his face. Prue dumps out her purse and then uses her telekinesis to wave the makeup and phone and keys around his head like a mobile. And it's really cute and cool. Yeah. 
It is neat. I do like when they have Prue use her powers for more practical things and not just throwing demons across the room once an episode. Yeah, we also see her using it to pull the little spray water thing from out of the sink and spray off the baby when she's changing his diaper. Yeah, she's, uh, well, she's giving him a little sink bath and you can show baby butts on TV. Yeah, apparently. I didn't know that was a thing you could do, but apparently it is. The Charmed Wiki is insistent that this is bad because it's personal gain. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I feel like the powers never count as personal gain. Like, Piper didn't get dinged for freezing Leo during sex. Also, this is like the baby that Phoebe had a premonition about. That means this is the innocent that they're supposed to be protecting. So caring for the baby with your powers really shouldn't count as personal gain. Although freezing the baby so that you don't have to deal with him might. Yeah, that's not good. Don't do that. I love, there's this little moment here too where Phoebe goes and gets the Book of Shadows where their mother has written all of the baby caring advice that you need. And she's so excited. She's like, I have the answers now. And she opens it up and written there is, sometimes babies just cry. Nothing to be done. Thanks, Patty. So it's the morning. Everyone has fallen asleep in the kitchen, which is a giant disaster. And Dan has come over to make sure that the baby is still alive. Yeah, like, I'm worried about where the baby was when they all fell asleep at the kitchen table. It is a really cute baby. It is a cute baby. I think that the baby was probably sleeping in the car seat. That's not safe. Mm. So Dan's like, hey, Piper, wake up. You want to make one of these, you know, for us? You want to use my penis stuff to make a baby and then we could raise it together? Let's get married, Piper. I'm pushing this relationship so fast for, I don't know what reason. It seems sinister now. Is Dan the big bad of season two? Is commitment. Ooh. So Piper takes the baby back from Dan and sends Dan off to work, which means that he came over, like, took care of the baby while they slept at the table, and then as soon as they woke up, they were like, um, get out of our house? That's a weird moment. It's weird the way Dan has been coming over and then immediately leaving in this episode. Yeah, you think he brought breakfast for Piper? One of his weird fetish breakfasts? Possibly. But what the girls do realize when they're waking up is both that Prue is late for work mm. and also that they don't know who's going to watch the baby when she goes to work. Wouldn't it be Phoebe? Phoebe's got stuff to do. Phoebe and Piper are going to go talk to Martha about a man that they found while searching the internet who disappeared under mysterious circumstances right before all of the other men started dying and he was a chauffeur for the family. So he is their number one suspect as who the ghost is. Mm. Which means that... Prue has to take the baby to work, empty the liquor out of her bottom drawer in the desk, and turn the bottom desk drawer into a makeshift crib to store the baby in. What is this? Full house? It's kind of weird. It's almost as weird as that charm that 
Prue put in her hair this morning? Yeah, Prue took the time to, like, wrap one strand of hair in silver that has, like, a dangly charm thing at the end of it. Okay, it's supposed to look like it's a strand of hair wrapped up, but I think it probably is one piece that has a clip that clips into the top of your hair. This is a thing she felt like she needed to do before going into work. It... I know, right? And Prue's like, yeah, look, Jack, because I had my cousin, I didn't super finish my half of the project. And Jack's like, yeah, I've been working with you for like, what, three, four weeks. I know how this works now. I just did the whole stupid project myself. And she's like, oh, I'm going to thank you when when we get to New York. I'm going to thank you with sex. She's like, let me thank you now in the most professional way I can by running up to you, jumping up into your arms and having my midriff top right up even more than it's already up, just as our boss walks in. Wrapping my legs around your strong midsection. Yeah, and the boss comes in and he's like, Hey, Prue, you're clearly never at work and have done nothing, so... No. Yeah. Jack's gonna do the presentation alone. Yeah, because he comes in and he's like, Well, congratulations, you're going to New York. And Prue's like, I know, it's so great. And he's like, No, no, no. No, no, no. Not you, Prue. Not you. You're you're staying here because clearly you're a distraction to Jack, who is now the one employee who does anything at Buckland's. I mean... There can be only one. Apparently that's the way Buckland's functions. Prue used to be the only employee who did anything. Now Jack is the only employee who does anything. It's the circle of life. There you go. So... Back at the manor. Not the Hallowell Manor, the giant castle that these rich people live in. Yes, back at the rich people castle. Uh, Grandma Martha is not super into Piper and Phoebe coming into her house and probably getting murdered by a ghost. But they say the magic word, which is, hey, do you know who Elias Lundy is? Uh oh. And then the baby's mother comes downstairs and is like, hey, aren't you one of the grief counselors who tried to talk to me yesterday? And they tell her, look, we're not with the police department. And not wanting to alert the ghost what's going on, Phoebe just holds up the piece of the blanket that she cut off that has Matthew's name sewn onto it. And it's like, I know that her intention is to just let the mother know that the baby is okay without saying anything out loud but it's super sinister to just hand her the hacked off piece of the blanket it's real hostagey also it doesn't even work because immediately the ghost who we now know is elias lundy shows up and like magically snatches that piece of blanket away and is like ah these two girls have the baby maybe asl wouldn't have worked in this situation yeah yeah by the way i love phoebe's outfit which is this it's like a regular shirt with muppet sleeves actually the shirt part of it's pretty ugly but i love the muppet sleeves (laughs) elias tries to throw lightning at them and piper freezes him or tries to freeze him but he doesn't freeze but his lightning does didn't the other ghost freeze okay so Piper says, I've frozen ghosts before, haven't I? 
We have never seen her freeze a ghost at this point, but we have seen her freeze Yama. I was about to say, she froze Yama, and he honestly feels way higher in the mystical pecking order than ghosts. I mean, Elias really got on the ghost train fast. Maybe she can only freeze, like, bodies, and so since ghosts don't have bodies, they can't be frozen? Hmm. Interesting. Everyone tries to run out of the house, except for Martha, who- Well- Martha tries, but she gets lightning in the back. She gets lightning to the back. And we know she wouldn't be able to leave the house anyway. And we learn as Elias is chasing them that he can't leave the house either. So he tells Piper and Phoebe and Matthew's mother, bring me the baby or I'll kill Martha. And... Mm, it kind of seems like it might be Martha's fault that you're in this situation in the first place. I just don't think anyone's going to make that trade, man. Seriously, I mean, Martha's pretty young for a grandmother but i mean she's also lived a fairly good long time no one's gonna trade a baby for her well martha's like plus martha's totally willing to die for her grandson as we will see later in the episode so yeah yeah he really doesn't have the leverage he thinks he has this guy got on the ghost train so fast like he figured out how to use his ghost powers really quickly but Like all ghosts, he just didn't realize what it is that motivates living people. I think that's the problem ghosts have. I think they lose touch with their humanity and they don't realize how to get humans to do what they want other than by haunting them. I mean, it seemed like he had issues with that in real life too, so. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get his backstory. I have things to say about it. You know who would have been cool to see again here at this point? Who? That like soul taker lady from the other ghost episode. Because it seemed like she was being set up as a reoccurring antagonist. Like, she's not dead or anything by the end of that episode. But she just never comes back. I would like to see her more. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I love Barbus. The show could do more with reoccurring antagonists. Yeah, there could just be a world of demons that we see, you know, periodically. Yeah, whenever a ghost shows up being able to do weird ghost stuff, they'll be like, oh... It must be that soul taker lady again. I mean, not to come back to this, but we're going to start to get that when we have Cole, because Cole has a bunch of minions who will just reoccur. Be a thing. So, the next scene is at P3. Matthew's mother does not want to be taken to where Matthew is because she doesn't want the ghosts to be able to track her, even though we don't think he can leave the house. She doesn't want to risk it. This guy isn't really playing by normal ghost rules, though, so Yeah, fair. fair. So, at P3, presumably, they let her know everything that happened, you know, as far as finding the baby and having him safe. And she tells them about the ghost and that she didn't believe there was a ghost. Her husband didn't believe there was a ghost until his brother died. But Martha had been going on and on about a ghost, and no one believed her. You gotta believe women. Mm. I mean... They know what's up. So Elias was their chauffeur. He was obsessed with Martha. Martha's he even he even carved his and Martha's initials into a tree. Martha's husband lured him out to the tree, shot him like forty-seven times, and then buried him under the tree. This was after he had attacked Martha, by the way. Yes, at some point he attacked Martha. So the husband killed him, buried him under the tree, and then his ghost came and started killing all of the dudes in her family. Okay, so. I am going to bring this up now. Okay. Later on in the episode, we're going to learn that it wasn't Martha's husband who shot him. It was Martha. 
And that's why he's been terrorizing her. Because it was her who shot him in the back. And I really thought we were going to get a reveal that they had been having an affair. And she shot him to cover it up. Because if the story is a man was obsessed with her dangerously, essentially stalking her, attacked her, and she killed him, and for that she gets the punishment that she gets in this episode, that's pretty dark. And yeah. that is what happens. It's This is a dark story. This is, as you are fond of saying, no moral theater. Yeah, which, I mean, I honestly think it kind of works in the episode's favor that she's not being punished. I she's mean, just forced to make a really big sacrifice having done nothing wrong yeah like it is a little dark but i do appreciate that this is a no moral theater episode there was a man who was obsessed with her he did everything in life he could do to hurt her and then even in death he did everything that he could do to hurt her having described a bunch of previous episodes as being like cotton candy i do appreciate the heft this gives the episode i just wanted to highlight that that it's yeah it's a lot darker than charmed normally is which is kind of easy to forget behind the bad ghost effects and you know goofing off with the babyness of the episode but it's a pretty dark story in a really weird way this reminds me of a wedding from hell Okay. Where it is kind of its own self-contained, separate from the Charmed Ones story, that the Charmed Ones are just sort of brought into to resolve things. Mm-hmm. Except this is really, really, really well done, and The Wedding from Hell is terrible. But but it feels like this would have been a good thing to keep doing later in the show, to have just self-contained stories that the sisters only enter as, you know... Right. If they're... Entering into a story that's already been going on for a while. Yeah, like... It makes the world seem broader. Mm. I don't want to say it should go full Law and Order and have it always be like the case of the week and that they're just the detectives who are wrapping things up for the audience. But every once in a while seems solid. Yeah, they should have mixed in more of those, I think so. So... Jack goes up to Prue and he's like, look, I just bought you a ticket to New York because I'm an adult with money and that's something I can do. <laughs> no, no. He told the boss that Prue worked on the presentation. I swear. I know you didn't see her in class and it seems like I did all the work myself, but I promise we all deserve the same group grade. I'm honest to God surprised that this worked considering it's like the fifth time he's pulled it. Well, but then Prue's like, yeah, no, I'm not going with you. Got to take care of the baby. Honestly, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if Jack dumped her. I honestly don't remember how their relationship ends. But I don't either. I mean, it didn't start out great because it was basically just him stalking her into a career path. Like, he chose a career path based on stalking some woman he met once at an auction. Well, I mean, he was already kind of in that career path. But yeah, no, no, I see your point. I mean, yeah. He that... stalked her to the job. Yeah, that was how he got rich. He got rich by trading artifacts. Like, people used to do that swapping thing. Remember when that was really big? Antiques Roadshow? No, like, you'd start with, like, a gum wrapper and you trade it to someone else for two dimes. And then you trade those two dimes to someone else for, like, an old book or something. And then you'd end up with something that was worth way more than what you started with. 
I remember the episode of The Office where Dwight does that, but I didn't know that that was like a thing. Oh no, that was based off of like a lot of stuff from The Office that was based off of an actual fad that was around for a good yeah, I was few months. Unaware of that. Yeah. Cool. I I know people who tried doing it, but it's one of those things that like I don't think ever actually worked in real life. Like I think there well, were Is it like Storage Wars where when that show started, everyone thought that they could do it, and it turns out that it's not that easy. Yeah, yeah. I think it was mostly, like, a bunch of people putting stuff up on YouTube of, you know, I started with X and ended with a Ferrari or whatever. And it's like, okay, but this is fake. Mm-hmm. I, this is me pulling from deep in my memory. I don't know how much of a thing it was. It was definitely enough of a thing to inspire that plot in The Office. I I was unaware it was a real thing. But, uh, yeah, we don't always get stuff right. Uh, we actually appeared on TV Tropes. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, because we talked about Alias in the Ms. Hellfire episode, and apparently Alias had not started airing prior to that episode. So yeah. all of the things I thought were Alias nods were just uh, convergent evolution. Honestly, that feels like it's... Uh... Kind of not great for Alias. Like, that Charmed was just doing all of this super generic stuff and it happened to fit all of the tropes in Alias. It does seem, it does seem to not speak well to Alias. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. And, you know, our bad. <laughs> Sorry, TV tropes. Anyway, so... Piper and Phoebe are having a conversation about how much they miss that darn baby now that it's not in the house anymore. I got ha caught halfway between damn and darn there and just powered right through. <laughs> and Phoebe is making a potion to vanquish the ghost, but the potion has to be scattered over the bones of the ghost's body, which means they also need some shovels. Yes, and... Phoebe mentions that this is the only way to destroy him other than to destroy the cause of his curse. The, the object of his vengeance. Mm. So that means killing Martha. They can kill Martha or they can scatter the potion on his bones. Those are the only two ways we can get rid of him. It's a real... Uh, you, you never watched Supernatural, did you? I watched like the first episode. Yeah, that it's a running thing in Supernatural that, like, to destroy spirits, you have to burn their bones or whatever. Like, I know it's way older than Supernatural, but this just kind of reminds me of Supernatural. Because that's a thing they did, like, every other episode was dig up someone so they could burn their bones. Oh, huh. Or fill them with salt or something. I, I know salt was a thing, yeah. So Daryl shows up and is like, all right, it's 24 hours, I need the baby. Social services is starting to ask me what happened to the baby. And Prue's like, look, we just need him for a few more hours. You can just kind of, you know, stall. And Daryl's like, oh, my God, I'm. <laughs> you're just you're you're just going to you're, you're going to sink my career. Prue convinces him that maybe he can sell this as a kidnapping case instead of an abandonment case. And then the baby doesn't have to go to social services at all. And people will praise him as a hero for returning the baby instead of. Sending the baby to social services. Although, honestly, I feel like they don't need to hang on to the baby right now. 
Yeah, the important thing is just that the baby's out of the ghost's way. Yeah, I mean, the baby might even be safer with social services than with Daryl, which is where they leave him. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Whatever. I guess Daryl probably get credit for, like, when they were fighting that monster that ate all of those girls and they beat the crap out of it until it vomited up all the girls you remember i do remember that well and the, i remember the dishwalla episode it was the dishwalla monster yes well and i remember they were like we can't really tell you what happened and none of the girls have any memory of what happened but i mean he probably got credit for rescuing those girls though i hope so so back at the giant mansion where the rich people live and the body is buried they find the tree with the initials carved into it because that's where the body is. And I I love that they brought the shovels there and Prue's like, you know, I'm a witch, right? And she just uses telekinesis to pull the body out of the uh, ground. I, I honestly really like that. I love the sort of casual relationship the sisters have to each other and to their powers. Mm-hmm. In this episode, it really feels like they're hitting a groove. Yeah, well, it's like we said at the beginning. It's like everyone was on top of their game this episode. Yeah, in and out of universe. Yeah. Uh, as long as I mentioned the Charmed Wiki earlier, I also will mention that the Charmed Wiki points out that this is the first time we get the sense that Prue can use her telekinesis on something she can't see because she pulls the bones from out of the ground. Hmm. So, inside the house, the ghost is just torturing Martha by shooting lightning bolts at her continuously and not killing her. Yeah, and he's like, there are worse things than death, Martha. This is a really good episode, but these special effects are doing nobody any favors. It's fine. Piper shows up and she freezes the bolts and is like, yeah, Elias, no. (laughs) No. And he's like, ah, because they start... I love Prue and Phoebe start kind of wailing on the uh, bones with the shovels. And he can feel it. He can feel what they're doing to his bones. So he runs out onto the balcony and he shoots them with lightning from the balcony. And then when they jump away from the bones, he opens a pit to hell underneath the bones and they fall in. I think that would count as destroying them, but apparently not. I guess apparently you have to use this particular potion on them. Also, I don't think they're destroyed. I think they're just in hell. Yeah, but I mean, doesn't that seem at least destroyed adjacent being in hell? No, well, then I guess you're right. It does have to be the potion. Although I'm imagining like one of Cole's minions is just sitting, you know, in that one part of hell. Somebody was just in hell having like drinking their coffee and then like their ceiling opened up and the bones fell down onto their table and they were like, dude, what the fuck? Do you think the coffee's always cold in hell? I'm sure the coffee's always cold in hell. So, the girls go into the house and they tell Martha that because the bones are destroyed, there is now no way to destroy the ghost. Other than by killing her. But they're not going to do that because they are there to save her. They're going to figure something else out. I think Prue is being a little dickens right here because... You know, they're like, I'm sorry, but now that he's hidden his bones from us, there's no way of destroying him. And Prue's like, except, but no. And Martha's like, tell me. Yeah, come on, really? And you don't say except unless you want someone to follow up on, you know. I'm not saying Prue's like, I want to kill Martha. I'm just saying Prue, if if Martha was like, oh, guess someone needs to kill me. I don't think Prue would object that much. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Martha says, you know what? I'm the one who shot him. I'm going to do what I can to protect Matthew. And Elias shows up and is like, there's nothing you can do to stop me. And she just full on runs through him to the same balcony that her son fell off of and like dives off of it. And then her ghost rises up out of her body and is like... A little awkward. I, I was going to say doing the, the double middle fingers. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Screw no. you, Lundy! The special effect is terrible. But it's kind of a great scene because she's like, Yeah, I'm dead now. You can't do shit to me anymore, ass face. Go to hell, dickweed. And then the floor literally opens up and fire swallows him he presumably does in fact go to hell yeah and the sisters are like so is there anything more we need to do here sorry that we didn't you know save you and yeah you're right martha seems like she's taking way more guilt on than she should because it does seem like she blames herself for the situation which she shouldn't but she seems at peace because she did what she had to do to protect her grandchild, which is also something that I relate to. So, yeah. Back at the manor, I guess they let the girls keep the baby for a few more hours because they're giving him a bath. It's a really cute scene. No, no, I really like the scene. I just, I can't imagine being Matthew's mother and not immediately running over to wherever he was once everything was resolved. I guess they're bathing him in whatever time it took for her to get to their house. Yeah, but it's a really cute scene. And look, they're all, they're good at babies now. All of the charmed ones, not just Phoebe, are good at babies now. And they, okay, I guess, I guess she wasn't coming to their house because they bring the baby to the police station and they give him back to his mother, who is very happy to see him. And they also give the mother the blanket and bear that they had knit for their friend, so... Screw that friend, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you shouldn't give him the bear. They, you shouldn't give the friend the bear, because the bear has throw up on it, but... Yeah. And Phoebe's like, hey, call us if you need babysitters, because this baby's amazing and we love him. And blonde mother lady is like, oh, yeah, no, I'm moving the hell out of country. Oh, uh, we didn't mention earlier that she's blonde. She's a blonde woman who is neither killed nor turns out to be evil. Yeah, she's not evil or dead by the end. She was, I mean... I mean, her husband is killed and, like, the whole family wiped out, but... Yeah, the whole family was wiped out and she, you know, was robbed of her baby for some time. But honestly, as far as things going for blonde women in Charmed, she, she made it out relatively unscathed. Yeah. She has a lot of money. Her baby's still alive. So back at P3, the girls Leo's are... Leo's not her white lighter. <laughs> so back at P3, the girls are kind of downloading about what happened. And now they all realize that they all want to be moms now. And uh, Phoebe's like, luckily for you, you're already dating Mr. Mom. Or in other words, Dad. <laughs> yeah, right? Because, you know... Not, not getting into it, but really, come on. Like, it's not that weird that a guy would know how to take care of a baby. I know! It happens. Also, babies, not super complicated. Well, I actually like this because Phoebe's little 
amateur psychology. I took one psych class. Mm, now I know everything. Yeah. It comes out and she tells Piper that maybe the reason Piper was acting like she couldn't take care of a baby is because she doesn't really want to be with Dan and do his whole family thing. So she, that's how she was protecting herself. Smart. Yeah, I actually think that's probably true. So, okay. Jack is comes into the club. I guess he decided not to go to New York because he wanted to bang Prue wherever she was. Mm. And Prue's like... In his best angel cosplay. Yeah, he's wearing a leather jacket, black t-shirt. Prue tells him that she does want to have a baby, but not tonight. And she's happy to just bang him until she's actually ready to have a baby. I do appreciate how upfront he is. He's like, look, if a baby's what you're looking for, I'm not sure I'm the right guy. And she's like, well... I don't need the right guy, just the right guy for tonight. Yeah, she's like, I'm not looking for a baby tonight, so you're good enough right now. And you know what? I think that there needs to be more representation on TV of relationships that are the right relationship to be in at the time you're in them, even if they're not the relationship that you're in until you die. Yeah. The right people at the right time. I think that needs to be more of a thing that we acknowledge Mm -hmm. as a thing. So... Good job, Charmed. Yeah. Yeah. Next week is Awakened. And the description according to Google Play is, When Piper contracts a life-threatening tropical virus that leaves her in intensive care, Prue and Phoebe cast an awakening spell to save her life. However, since the spell was used for personal gain, the sisters can no longer sleep, and Piper's sickness spreads into an epidemic as a direct consequence. Meanwhile, Prue quits her job at Buckland's and Phoebe enrolls in university. Okay, so I think next episode's The Last Jack. And I remember this episode as being really good, except for the one really, really, really dumb thing that they added. Do you remember how the virus spreads around? No. The Awakening spell... That they the the spell that they used to get Piper out of her coma. Uh huh. It also possesses a ninja doll. And, oh no! And the ninja doll spreads the disease by stabbing people with its little toy sword. Oh yes, I do remember that now. And it's like you had this really good premise for an episode, and I remember it as being a strong one of the stronger episodes of Charmed. Okay, I'm actually really excited to talk about that episode now. We should watch it and talk about it right away. No, it is, I think, one of the best episodes Charmed ever did, except it has this one incredibly stupid element to it. But this episode was really good. Honestly, if I was trying to pitch Charmed to someone, this might be an episode I'd show them. I think this would be a really good introductory episode to Charmed. It introduces you to all the girls and the world, but also it stands alone. Yeah. Yeah. So, you want to do our segments? Yeah, let's get into our segments. So, uh, we'll dive into our own power of three. Our first power is premonition, where we look into the past, present, and future to see who is, was, or will become famous who guest starred in this episode. I did not recognize a single person. Have you got something? I have two, actually. Oh my. Did the baby become someone? No. Ah. That would have been great. Uh... Wait, maybe. No, the baby's not even credited. So, no, my two are Martha Mm -hmm. was played by Stephanie Beecham, who is most known 
for being Sable Colby on Dynasty. Ooh. She was also, Charmed Connection, she was also Dylan McKay's mother on Beverly Hills 90210. Oh. And the thing that I most recognize her from is the one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where she plays Moriarty's girlfriend. You watched that episode. I just showed it to you recently. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the actor who played Moriarty because it was it was Niles the butler from The Nanny. Yes. <laughs> God. And my second one is J. Kenneth Campbell, who played Elias Lundy, mm-hmm. who you almost certainly will not recognize, even though he's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he looks like he's been the sinister guy in things. I only bring it up because he is Angel's father in the flashback on the TV show Angel. Whoa! Wow! Wow. Yeah. I liked that. It is a fun little note. That'll uh, do it for premonitions. Our next segment is Time Freeze. What specifically dated this episode for you? I gotta say, the circlet, I think that was supposed to be a thing around that time period. I'm gonna say how much crap was in the baby's crib. Because they hammer into you right now, safe sleep means nothing in the crib. Mm, mm, mm. Also, weird thing, the baby bath that they have the baby in... Uh Uh-huh is the exact same model of baby bath that we have. And I'm like, have they just not switched it up in that many years? Right, so that's like the opposite of a time freeze. Of course, the one I got was a gift from a co-worker. So who knows how long it's been in circulation. That's true, that's true. But, I mean, it works well. Uh, yeah, and we'll probably pass it on to the next people who have babies. Yeah, we know a couple of people who are, you know... Expecting. Yeah, so... Uh, I think that'll about do it for time freeze, unless you had any uh, anything else. Nope, just the crib. That's not safe sleep. And that will take us to our next, and honestly, for this episode, last segment, I know we have a new one, uh, Astral Projection, but nothing in this episode made me actively want to leave my own body. So. Same here. It was a good episode. Yeah. So our last segment will be telekinesis. What genuinely moved you this episode? I mean, it has to be when... They reunited the baby Matthew with his mother. Like, I I mean, this is probably being a new mom myself, but that really, really hit me where I live. I, I can definitely see that. For me, it was, um, it was Martha confronting Elias after killing herself, specifically the moment where she decides to kill herself. Mm. Where she decides she's going to do whatever she needs to do to keep Matthew safe. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really solid moment, and it does have sort of, it's the accumulation of sort of a dark little story mm-hmm. where this woman has been harassed by this guy, just, and there's been nothing she can do. Really, killing herself is a dark ending, but it's her way of taking control of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So... It, it's it's a little depressing, but it's also uplifting. Like it doesn't hit you as depressing when it's happening, even though it is a sad ending, because it's her regaining control. Yeah, and we do see her at peace afterwards, so it's not as dark as it could be. Also, we know there's a canonical afterlife in Charm, so eh. yeah, that that does that takes the sting out of it quite a bit. That's true. That's true. So I guess that will about do it for this week. I guess that does it for us. 
Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you can head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We also like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. Welcome to Hallowell Manor.